You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. I'm here to talk to you about the Monster Initiative, and with me, as he is, every single episode, John Mills. <laughs> I'm speaking from beyond <laughs> the grave here on this new edition of Assembling <laughs> Monster People. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, this is, this is going to be a lot of fun, I think, as we talk about Werewolf by Night, uh, the... Marvel special presentation that was released last year for Halloween, and we are releasing to you on Halloween of 2023, so happy Halloween, everyone. Uh, we're so excited you're here. Of course, you know, like always, subscribe wherever you're listening, and you'll get all the episodes as soon as they drop. Uh, you also, of course, be able to follow us over on Places and interact with us, of course. Twitter, Instagram, Twitter, uh at the 602 Club and on Instagram at 602 Club TFM. We're on Facebook with the entire network. Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. You also find us online at trek.fm. These listeners only discussion group, of course, on the Babel Conference you all know about, you can join. And if you do like what we do, go over to Patreon at patreon.com slash trek.fm. Become part of our team and make sure that everything that we are doing can keep coming to you each and every week. So, John, this truly is a special presentation. It tells us that right up front. And I wanted to ask you coming into this, um, you know, I, as everybody knows, I'm not an aficionado when it comes to Marvel Comics, um, but Werewolf by Night is apparently a character that is a part of Marvel Comics. And so as we're diving into this episode, I'm really interested for you, since you're much more familiar with Marvel, if this is a comic that you had read, um, you know, was it, was it, did you at least know that it existed? Uh, no. Werewolf by Night is one of those ones. I mean, I, I'm not that old. So Werewolf by Night, uh, I think predates me a little bit, at least my, my type of, you know, comic book collecting. I, and when I was involved in Marvel, I was very focused on things like the X-Men, um, and stuff like that. So, Werewolf by Night was not something that crept across my field of vision, but I will say, even though Werewolf by Night was not familiar to me, I was thrilled to see Man-Thing appear mm -hmm. in this piece, because mm -hmm. I was like, okay, that's a deep cut. Because, look, Marvel and DC, for the longest time, it's it's like Transformers and GoBots. You have your one-to-one -one sort of stuff going on, and so like right. Man-Thing... You know, I know that everybody saw it and was like, is that Swamp Thing? And I'm like, oh, it's Man Thing. That's <laughs> right. okay. So, but no, Werewolf by Night was not a title I was familiar with. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I I'm the same way. I, I did not know that this was a thing. And in all honesty, you know, I don't really tend to like things about, I'm not like a monster movie guy like that with the classic horror monster films. I've never actually seen any of them, really. It just hasn't really appealed to me it's something i i do need to go and and you know put into my catalog of actually having seen at some point especially the old universal classics but um i a, f a couple of things really interesting about this one 
is that they choose to do this in black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, they're paying homage to all of those classic 30s and 40s monster films um, and really trying to to tap into that vibe. And so I have to ask you right up front, did that work for you? Did they pull that off? Absolutely. The the fact that they opened up and there were film blemishes on it, that there were cigarette burns throughout it, um, you know, marking things like real changes. Uh, the fact that there were there was like coloration differences, but there was one point where the the hue went from like a sepia to a more flat gray sort of thing. Like that was a good trick, um, showing that sort of like mismatch in film stock sort of thing. I I can say that visually. It's very obvious that it's all done with modern techniques, but right. as an homage, I, I I won't mince words. I found it delightful. It was it was playful in every sort of way that I want my entertainment like this to be playful. This is, if anything, what Tarantino and Rodriguez were trying to do with um with Grindhouse when they had uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah planet terror and uh and death proof and which surprisingly they didn't quite pull off i know heresy right but this i found to be absolutely appropriate the i I thought the visual style lent so much uh panache to it if you will that it made me want to play along and have fun with it up to Mm -hmm. and including breaking the black and white for the red stone i thought that was really clever too right you know, I, I, I'm right there with you in this. I, I think one of the things that this does is it knows exactly what it wants to be. Um, and then it does all the things it needs to do to be that. Um, and, you know, by trying to pay homage to those classic horror monster movies at that time period, something like The Twilight Zone, you know, all of this is, is I think, playing really well. And I think a part of that is that so much of this, it feels like, you know, they're on a stage. It feels like everything has been created on a stage. And so it's kind of claustrophobic. You know, we're not going to have big expansive sets and those kind of things because there's only so much space, you know. And so it really lends itself to feeling like that. And of course, like you mentioned, you've got all the modern conventions uh, to make this work, but at the same time, uh, another thing I think they do to help along with the story and and keep it in that arena is that they try to do as much as this kind of like practically and old school wise as possible, mm-hmm. and they're trying to keep you know the CGI to a minimum, which I think is another real plus here. The only thing I will say is I almost wish they had gone so far as to do basically just stop motion. Uh, you know, yeah. with like um, man thing, because I think it would have been I mean, and, and again, I'm not discounting the work that they're doing here practically, but I think I almost wish they had gone that one step further because I think it would have been pitch perfect at that point. But on a whole, I'm very impressed with the way in which the thought process of this from start to finish with what they're trying to do actually comes across on screen. I think what you're hitting on right there, and I, I think that th- this is almost the inverse of how our She-Hulk discussion went, where we were like, okay, we don't want to be too mm-hmm. negative. 
I'm actually sitting here trying to keep my positivity in check so that I don't come along too biased here. <laughs> yeah. Because what I get through this entire effort is a, like you said, a sense of purpose, a sense mm -hmm. that this is a passion project, that this is a director. Right. Who came to this and said, I have a passion for this. This is what I really want to do. I'm not doing this to fulfill a quota. I'm not doing this to forward phase four. It has nothing to do with phase four as long as I know, so far as exactly. I know, except yeah. that it occurred during that. And what a delight. There's, it's freed from all of this. I have no sense that it's like, oh, I have to remember this the next time I come across or, oh, mm -hmm. this is tied to the whole, it's tied to nothing. It's just an original work. I sure. I was yep. so thrilled. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is what fun used to be like on these things. Well, and I, I want to ask you about that because I, I'm, and I'm so glad you brought that up because, I, you know, this is one of those um, rare occurrences in Marvel, you know, especially through phase three even and now into phase four where something legitimately happens and they're giving us something to which, I mean, it doesn't even really matter that this is a Marvel thing. You know, mm -hmm. it's just a fun thing to be watching, you know? Yes. Um, and I think that's one of the things that really struck me is that I, and I was struggling actually at the beginning of watching it because I was thinking to myself, well, why does this matter? And then about midway through, I just realized it doesn't matter if it matters to anything else. What matters is, is it being successful in what it's trying to do? And I 100% agree with you in that this is absolutely doing exactly what it wants to do and being exactly what it wants to be. And it doesn't matter if it connects with anything else. And I think that's the beauty of, of this. Um, and I'm very glad that, you know, uh, you know, it, it's not that I'm, I'm not, it's not that I'm like trying to, hold my praise down or anything, but I, I guess this kind of just came out of nowhere for me in that sense. Like, yeah, well, this kind well, of I mean, just slaps me in the face and I'm like, oh my goodness, I, I just wish more things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe could be like this. But that's what I'm saying is the thing that I'm trying to keep in check is actually the fact that what I'm, I'm looking at here is going through phase four. It's no secret that mm -hmm. I've been struggling with this where I'm like, oh, really? Sure. Like, and, and we're having a hard yeah, time. Same. I'm having a hard time going through it. I'm not really digging what's happening right now in phase four. And so something like this comes along that is, yeah, in a sense, it's sort of like when I encountered Miss Marvel, I was like, oh, oh, well, yep, this, exactly. this is very yeah, pleasant. I, hear, yeah. I, mm -hmm. I like what's going on right now, as opposed to Thor Love and Thunder or She-Hulk, like, which is not to keep ragging on those things. We've already logged how I feel about that stuff. But like, I, I feel like there's a purpose here that is, I mean, it, it it's just overstating it, I guess, just over and over again. Like, it's fun. Like, you've got performances here where, again, this comes to the director, too. Everybody understood the assignment. So the performances yes. are exactly what they're supposed to be. They're mm -hmm. just this side of camp because yep. they evoke that sort of crappy acting of the 40s monster films. 
in such a way that you feel that this is somebody who truly loved that material and wanted to right. ex- yeah. like wanted to re- regurgitate like not regurgitate but like express it back out and introduce it to mm-hmm. somebody so that they yeah. understood the feeling yes. they had when they saw the original stuff. Yes. No, I I couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, you know, I I think you mentioning the performances, I, I really do think we have to call out Gail Garcia, Renal, and uh, Laura Donnelly. Uh, both of them yep. are fantastic in their roles, and I think they had great chemistry together. Um, well, I think one of the things that was really interesting about watching this is, I, I'm thinking of it, I'm like, man, I would really enjoy um, getting the opportunity to see them together again because mm-hmm. they were so much fun to watch together, especially the way – you know, they start off kind of cagey, especially her, and he kind of wins her over even when she realizes who he is and what he is. And it just creates this really interesting uh, dynamic on screen, which, you know, I, I feel like so much of the time, so many of these things are just kind of so plot driven that mm-hmm. we lose characters but here, this whole thing just kind of feels like it is about the characters, and the plot really doesn't necessarily matter. And by doing that, the plot actually feels better because I actually care about the characters. Right. I find out about the plot through how the characters are affected by it. And, yes. and you know, I... I I argue you could definitely see the twist coming where he wasn't really a hunter. He wasn't really going to go after the monster. And you sort of like, sure. oh, okay. Yeah. Because the camera spent enough time on him. You're like, okay, I know something's coming. Mm-hmm. Something's coming here. Well, and it but, is called Werewolf by Night. So oh, you're of course, like, of okay, course. But, but I mean like – the werewolf. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but you could immediately tell that – it was going along with the way it's supposed to be, but at the same time, not hiding its hand. It's it's that sort of subtle wink at the audience that a piece can have where it's like, look, we both know we're both in on the joke. Wait, wait for it. We're going to get there and it's it's going to be worth it. And you get there and it's worth it. And I thought that the, I, you know, I, I thought that the entire premise of keeping it the way that it was Another level it worked on was the 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 inhumanity of hunting for sport. Like I immediately thought of like a fox hunt, where it's one thing to hunt to eat. You're you're doing yeah. something yep. that's difficult and and kind of kind of awful in some regard, but it's for survival. Okay, mm-hmm. but hunting something for sport, I've never understood, and I think this gets at that without being ham-fisted about it you get that Mm -hmm. sense of like you know maybe you shouldn't be going after something unless you really got to right and yeah i appreciate that a great deal Mm -hmm. and i think that's the way you make a a commentary because they don't hit your head over it i came to that on my own i was like you know there's a subtext here that okay that's very thoughtful well and and i think too they also do such a great job in this is sharing the theme of hunting things you think are dangerous without necessarily understanding whether they truly are dangerous or not, you know? Yep. Um, and, and, you know, in, in, in many ways it, it becomes about 
the the theme of othering, you know, and mm-hmm. so we only see them as monsters, therefore we will treat them as monsters, and and so you know that can be applied to so many great uh, uh, areas of life, and so it, like you said, though it, it's it's there, it's subtle, it's not beating you over the head, but it's absolutely a, a part of the story, which. You know, I, I think they, they do a very good job in that of, of allowing us to have something that is fun, but also has a nice subtle message to it, you know, in, in much the way, uh, you know, uh, comics kind of uh, had that type of message since the beginning, right? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the original Superman comic is laced with all of those type of, of story elements and trying to say something. And so... You know, I think they do a good job in that. Um, so something that's very odd about this in the sense of, like, I who knew that Michael Giacchino is a director as well? And uh, he's directed a short tracks, uh, anim- animated um, short tracks, and then he directed this. And you mentioned that this came from somebody who had a real passion for the material, and... You know, he told Feige because Feige was like, do you want to direct something? And he said, this is what he said. I want to do this. Um, And he was even the one who fought for the black and white. Uh, And so I wanted to ask you, I mean, this is the first time I've seen him as a director. How do you think he does? Perfectly well. This is, this is, uh, I'm shocked that his, uh, I mean, I'm not shocked. I mean, obviously, he's a great composer. And people, you know, that that's his first love, I guess. But this is, it's surprising that it's somebody who doesn't have a longer um, filmography. This is obviously somebody who's done their homework and has paid attention and has gotten things and picked stuff up because... It didn't strike me as somebody's second thing. I was like, oh, this is a, it comes across as somebody who's a seasoned director steered this. As you're speaking, all I'm thinking is like, I don't think I have anything to add to that because I think this feels very polished. It does. It does feel like everything is done so intentionally and it really comes from a director. Um, I might say something that feels a little bit crazy here, but in all honesty, this feels the same way the Guardians movies do mm, because mm-hmm. James Gunn knows exactly what he wants and he's working to get that. And it feels here as though Giacchino knows exactly what he wants and he's working to get that. And that says a lot, especially when you're doing something that has you know, special effects and all this kind of stuff, you really need to know what you want so you can tell the people putting it together um, so they can give you your vision and get enough time to do that. And I, I this feels like that's the case. I, I think that it's going to be hard for me not to overrank this, I guess, because this is the type of thing where I could, I could easily see myself watching this every Halloween because it doesn't ask a lot. It's an hour. This is this is this falls into the category of oh this is a fun little thing I could watch every year just to sort of like get in the mood because it feels right up to and including the decision that when we move from black and white to color it emphasizes again that we've moved from a worldview 
of heroes and monsters, and we found out that the heroes were the monsters, and we we tease it out, and we suddenly have a deeper, more colorful understanding of the world and how it works, and it really kind of drives that point home, too, just in that use of black and white to color, and then thoughtfully using Somewhere Over the Rainbow from a movie that did that very famously, Wizard of Oz, like, it, it's homage on top of intent combined with art, and it's honestly glorious. It's, this is the type of thing I thought Phase 4 promised us. Like, Endgame, cashed in, all of that stuff, and... Marvel had the right to come in and do nothing but projects like Werewolf by Night and say, you know what? We're past the phase of the mythology. We're just going to do a thing. And I think they squandered it. This is the type of thing. I want more projects like this. Honestly, Loki kind of falls into that category too, where I don't think it's as artfully done in a lot of ways, but it still has that sense of we're going to tell a character story and it's going to be interesting as opposed to, okay, here's the actor effect. You know, like all of the stronger stuff, Hawkeye, Loki, Miss Marvel, this falls into that category of we're going to, we're going to worry about telling something interesting first. And then the fact that it's Marvel is secondary. I think the the thing that I'm struck by with this is that, and and I think speaking of, you know, Giacchino as director and everything that you were talking about, it's that somebody understands what it is that they're trying to do, and it's not about it trying to connect to anything. It's just trying to be the best version of what it needs to be to tell its story regardless of anything else. And that's what honestly makes the best movies, right? You know, it's one of the things I think that I always come back to this as an example because it's one of my favorite examples and I think it it's proven to be true over the long run, which was, the you know, the Planet of the Apes movies, the newer ones, they were always just making the best movie possible. And if it turned out that there was going to be a sequel – well, then they were going to have to figure out what to do with that one when they got there. Yep. But it, that that's not what they were looking to do. They were just trying to make every film the best it could possibly be. Yep. And if you never got a sequel, then you didn't feel bad about not getting a sequel. And I think this almost feels like that in the sense it's like, I'm just going to do the best possible version of Werewolf by Night to play out my fantasy of being able to basically go back in time and make a monster movie from the 40s uh, and do that. And so I love it. You know, I love that that vision comes across. And I think, you know, as we we've been talking through phase four, one of the, I think, uh, detriments to most of the things that we've had frustrations with have been the inability to just tell the right story for that character and bring that to life and where it connects, it connects, right? But not trying to make force things because you just need to service the story you're telling at this exact moment. And I think that's the beauty of Werewolf by Night with this. Yeah, I, I mean, 
I, I guess, I, you know, like, yeah. I even, and big shocker, I thought the music was great too. So, well, who could have seen that one coming? Uh, you know, like, I, this is, this is a score I'd put on and like listen to at Halloween time and be like, ooh, yeah, I'm kind of in the mood here. This is, it feels like a, a fun horror movie sort of score. I like it. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I, and it's, it's interesting, obviously, with him as director and then him being able to do the score himself. You know, I think that creates, um, a, a nice synergy. He knows exact, I mean, his music is cued specifically to everything that he's doing on screen in a way that no other director could do or, and or composer really, right? Just because it's all him and it's all his thought process. And so, yeah, I agree with you. I think that's another thing that really makes this work and it makes it a lot of fun. Um, was there, was there anything about this that, did not work for you? Was there anything about yes. this that um, gave you some, you know, like, ooh, I'm not quite sure about that? Uh, the only thing that really clogged it up for me was I thought that there were too many hunter characters by the end of it. I would have dispatched them all before the final confrontation or had just one of them survive. and. Because it was a, it got a little too messy at the end with her fighting the two hunters and the stepmom and the werewolf and all of the security guards and it got a little messy there. Uh, him with the security guards, totally get it. The stepmom and she cleaner if it's just them fighting at the end. And and then we have that resolution and still have Man-Thing show up and destroy her and then, you know, ask which way did he go? Like that, I think, right. could have been cleaner. Uh, I understand the urge to do it that way, but still would have... that. That's the point where it got a little bit messy, I think. Um, and I think that... Uh, Outside of that, and it, it seems such a minor criticism, but it's one of those things where I realize that if this had been 20 minutes longer, that's the first thing where I would have really started like picking on it. Um, so I got to be honest with that. Uh, I think that the... I, I agree with you. I think that Man-Thing being stop motion throughout the black and white part or made to look stop motion would have been really effective, especially if then in the color part, that's when you switch to CG, that sort of realistic CG look, because that just further reemphasizes the difference in the worldviews that we're encountering. Again, that's an artistic thing, right? I, I can get somebody just poo-pooing that, but I do think it got... A little messy in that final fight. Not in terms of the gore or anything. I just thought it was a little too visually chaotic mm -hmm. and could have been streamlined. Yeah. One of the things that I did notice while watching this, and, and while I love that it's in black and white, um, you know, one of the beauties of old black and white films that do contrast really well mm -hmm. uh, is that they knew what 
they were doing in the sense of they knew how to film for black and white because they worked with it all the time. And I feel like there are, uh, this, what this movie needed, um, was lighting that created starker contrast between the dark and the light. Agreed. Um, and you know, that just comes from me having grown up watching a lot of black and white movies. You know, my favorite movie of all time is still Casablanca, which is one of the ultimate examples of contrast in a film. Um, when it comes to the way in which the light creates those contrasts, because, you know, that's part of the thematic elements of the movie and everything. And so I just, this could have utilized, I think, somebody who did really understand black and white and the contrast you're going to get. Um, and, you know, uh, it's it's one of the things, too, is, is you know, there's a difference of when you uh, film something in color and then just put it in black and white instead yep. of actually just filming in black and white. So um, I think that probably would have been something would have helped as well. But I mean, that again, that's that's a minor criticism. Um, and I don't think one that really detracts for me. But I do think it's just one of those places as you were talking about, you know, taking that point about the stop motion. And, and, and I think really expounding on that really well. I think this is just one more place where it's like, there was a level at this at, and you, man, you could have brought this up to a five-star thing if you had gotten um, something like that done even better. So, um, but I guess all in all, it seems like, you know, we've had really n nothing but uh, mostly effusive praise for this. Mm -hmm. And so I'm actually, I'm kind of on the edge of my seat as to where you do land with the ratings. Four and a half. This is a four and a half. This is delightful. I will watch it again. Like I said, I could easily see watching this every Halloween. I don't think I will watch what they're advertising on Disney Plus now with the color version because I think that completely, that's stabbing him in the back. That's not cool. They did black and white on, uh, you know, Giacchino did black and white on purpose. Now releasing a color version, I, I consider that dirty pool. That's not... Unless you have something where, you know, he's holding today's newspaper and he's not blinking SOS and he says, no, this, this is, I'm good with this version. I oversaw this. I'm okay with the color version. If you can deliver that to me, I won't be as harsh about it. But I think that releasing it in color now just goes against the whole point of what he was trying to do there. Um, anyway, that's a side tirade. But yeah, four and a half. Thought it was great. What about you? Yeah, this is a hard one. Um, I, but after our conversation, it actually not only went up and uh, gave it an extra half star, um, but it also uh, just kind of moving it around on my list and it, it moved up the list as well, too. So uh, I'm going to give it four stars. You know, I really enjoyed awesome. this. Uh, and so, uh, you know me, I'm not like, like I, I'm not a huge person who loves the macabre and, uh, you know, th these type of things, but I, it kind of won me over just, I think with its earnestness and I, and honestly, I think the relationship that you get between the two main characters, um, becomes so fun to watch, you know, that scene where they're, uh, they're in the crypt and they're just sitting there having those conversations. And then she just jumps up and starts beating into one of the uh, tombs and pulling things out of it. It's just that's it was really well done and it was very funny. And that was just a great example of, I think, where um, 
this just kind of understood what it is. And so, yeah, four stars for me. But uh, with giving it four and a half stars, John, I think everybody is on the edge of their seat to see what this does to your rankings. Nobody's on their, the edge of their seat about that. But I will tell you, it does shift things around uh, a bit. So, all right. Bear with me, everybody. Captain America, the Winter Soldier, Iron Man 3, Spider-Man No Way Home, Ant-Man, Werewolf by Night, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Iron Man, Avengers Endgame, Black Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy, Hawkeye, Doctor Strange, Loki, Civil War, Captain America, the First Avenger, Miss Marvel, Ant-Man and the Wasp, The Incredible Hulk, Avengers Infinity War, Thor, Doctor Strange, The Multiverse of Madness, Shang-Chi, Spider-Man Homecoming, Avengers, Howard the Duck, Moon Knight, WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Spider-Man Far From Home, Thor the Dark World, Iron Man 2, Thor Ragnarok, Avengers Age of Ultron, She-Hulk, Black Widow, Captain Marvel, Thor Love and Thunder, and The Eternals. And you? Uh, I've got The Winter Soldier, Iron Man, Iron Man 3, uh, No Way Home, Endgame, Civil War, The First Avenger, Black Panther, Guardians 2, Ant-Man, What If, Hawkeye, Doctor Strange, Shang-Chi, The Incredible Hulk, Werewolf by Night, Guardians of the Galaxy, Multiverse of Madness, Homecoming, Ant-Man of the Wasps, Loki, Avengers, Miss Marvel, Far From Home, Infinity War, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Thor the Dark World, Iron Man 2, Thor, Howard the Duck, Moon Knight, Black Widow, Age of Ultron, Captain Marvel, WandaVision, She-Hulk, Ragnarok, Love and Thunder, Eternals. Bang. Which is interesting because I don't know if those like last four will ever change. But I mean, you, you know, I dare you, Marvel. Phase five's you. on the way. <laughs> yeah, it's already started. But um, John, if anybody wants to see what things you have in the hopper, where would that be? Well, you can uh, you can use an evil incantation to conjure me up online as Kessel Junkie. You can look for me over on the Nerd Party Network co-hosting two shows, the devilishly entertaining house lights with Tristan Riddell and Darren Moser and the ghoulishly wonderful aggressive negotiations, a star Wars podcast that I co-host with you, Mr. Matthew rushing when you're, I mean, gosh, you, you're everywhere. <laughs> yes. Like a monster of old, you never know where I shall come about. Um, uh, yeah. you can find me all over this place, uh, on social media under the name Matt rushing zero two here on the network outside the 602 club and its bonus shows. You can find me doing literary treks, the orb warp five, the artificial tango and saddle up over on the nerd party network outside of aggressive negotiations. You can find me doing owl post with Dre Kaufman as we talked about each and every chapter of the Harry Potter series, one chapter at a time. But thank you so much for joining us on this marvelous adventure. <laughs> Avengers Assemble! Assemble!